0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish, a professor of communication studies at the University of Waterloo, and I'm here again with a couple of my students, Kiana and Julie, and we're going to talk today about compliance triggers. So welcome guys, Um, what do you want to tell us about compliance triggers today?
1: So compliance triggers are a way of using language to elicit a certain response that you want from the other person. And um, as a leader this is important and also a very good tool in order to um, get the right effect from the people that you are leading. So we're really going to focus on Robert Cialdini's book Influence. So he describes six main compliance triggers, and of course, there are more um, effects that you want from the audience that you are speaking to. So we're going to talk about one, reciprocation; two, commitment and consistency; three, social proofing; four, authority; five, liking; and six, scarcity. So the first compliance trigger is reciprocation. So that refers to the process in which one person um, feels an obligation to give something because they have been given something from someone else. So an example of this um, would be if you, when someone is at a bar, usually a woman and um, someone offers to buy her a drink. Or when the usually the male in this in the situation would ask um, a woman out to a date um, and hope in in hopes of getting something return whether that is a relationship a second date or something else Uh, so the
2: next compliance trigger is uh, commitment and consistency so that refers to the idea that people will tend to behave consistently with the choices they've already made um, so, like, as a small example, if someone's buying a car, they'd be willing to throw in the extra costs of, like, rust-proofing because they were already making the bigger purchase of the car. Um, so it's kind of that feeling of saying, like, why not? I'm already doing this. So, like, why not do the little extra? So a more thorough example um, would be, like, I was at the grocery store, and I was cashing out and the cashiers, finishing cashing out all my groceries, and she brings up my total, and I can see the total on the screen, But before she tells me the total she asked me if i want to donate one dollar to charity and it's because i've already got my money in my hand i'm about to pay for over a hundred dollars worth of food and so she asked if i want to spend one more dollar Uh, the strategy for the charity in this case is that they're not getting you when you're at the door coming in um, before you're thinking about all the money you're going to spend and they're not catching you on the way out after you've already spent a ton of money they're catching you in that moment when you already have your wallet in your hand and you're about to pay um, so it, it doesn't make you feel like you're doing anything extra out of your way by donating.
1: And so the third compliance trigger is um, is social proofing. So, so social proofing is a type of uh, conformity in which people look to uh, and sorry, and, and so that people look to what others are doing in order to modify their behavior in relationship to the beh- to the behavior of others. So this essentially is when you are with a group of people and you see a group of people acting in a certain way and so you feel more inclined to act in that way. One example that I want to give right now is um, one that I remember in elementary school when I was put into a split class. My mom was very excited when I was put into a split. Um, say for example, I was put into a split where it's grade two and three and I was in grade two and that is to elicit a response of so of me as a grade two we're trying to act more like a so a third grader so that i improve more and i improve more on my skills in my academia in my behavior so i act more like the older kids and accelerate my learning
0: all right, let's, let's pause for a second. I want to talk about why these first three things work the way they do, and then we'll get to the, the next three. Uh, so at the very in the very first uh, episode of this podcast, I talked about communication is more a matter of the effect that you have and not the transmission of information. And probably of anything that we've discussed over the course of these 40, 41 episodes that illustrates that point more clearly, it's these compliance triggers. So what's, what's happening with each one of them is that the... One act, an initiating act, causes a response in a person. And Cialdini in his book calls this a quick click where response. And he means, he uses that little phrase uh, because the reaction to the action is very, very hard to stop. We're almost biologically programmed to react in a specific way to one stimulus. So social proof as a stimulus works so effectively because you don't think about... You don't contemplate or consciously reflect on the fact that third graders are doing one thing and whether or not you should adopt that behavior, et cetera. It's just that their behavior results in your behavior changing or a consequence whereby your action is a response to their actions. So the simple example of a bunch of people stopped on the side of the street looking up in the sky causing other people to also stop and look up at the sky is an illust- another illustration of social proof and the communication that happens is not a conscious, reflective, dialogical, collaborative, uh, language-based interaction. It's stimulus-response. Stimulus-response. It's the initial kind of basic circuit of communication uh, whereby one action leads to a reaction. It's about the effect one thing has on, on another. So the reason these first three, at least, and the next three also, are such powerful compliance triggers, and that word trigger is incredibly important to Cialdini's work. It's a trigger because of the reaction that's elicited from the initial action, because of the response that comes from the, the first action. And the reason they're so powerful is because it's a kind of communicative phenomenon that happens uh, before conscious reflection, before you think very much about it. If you thought some about, well, why am I doing this thing that everyone else is doing, you might not do it. but. Um, human behavior doesn't work like that. We, we re- are highly responsive to these actions because we're always communicating. It also is an indication of that old kind of uh, adage in communication studies that one cannot not communicate. One cannot not communicate because one is always producing effects. And uh, what Cialdini is pointing to, at least in these three and the next three compliance triggers, are strategic ways of thinking about the kinds of effects that result from specific actions. So can you coordinate action in such a way that you're more likely to lead to a specific reaction. And social proof and reciprocity, uh, and commitment and consistency are three kind of patterns of reacting to an initial stimulus that seem to persist across culture, uh, across age, across um, all sorts of uh, situational contexts. So okay, what are the the next three?
2: So the next three will be authority, liking and scarcity. So authority, That is an appeal sort of to like clothing or other trappings of authority uh, that unconsciously cause us to confer status to particular people. Um, And authority triggers um, an automatic response of deference. Um, So the example I have is that I work at a front desk, and when you sit behind a front desk without even saying a word, people automatically assume that you can answer any question they have. Um, So I work here on the university and I work at the residence front desks um, of the residence buildings where first year students live. Um, and the things I get asked have ranged from "Can you proofread my essay?" to "Why hasn't Canada Post delivered my mail?" Um, and the thing is, like once I've Googled the answer to their question and helped them as best I can, um, they take what I've said at face value and they completely defer to whatever information I've be- I've provided, uh, simply because I appear to be in a figure of authority sitting behind the desk. Uh, so in reality, when I'm just a student just as they are, um, I'm, I'm expected to know more about the university and things on campus because that is the job. Uh, but sometimes there's that feeling that if there's any uncertainty at all, they'll come to the front desk and defer to whatever we suggest.
0: Yeah, the trappings of authority produce effects on others, regardless of, of the kind of reality of those trappings of authority or the substance behind them. So what's next? Uh, so
1: the fifth overall compliance trigger is liking. So liking is the compliance trigger that we are more likely to respond to someone that we are attracted to, the person that we like and um, or that compliments us or is similar to us. So an example that I have is when in usually in a large family and you have um, the younger child who, sometimes or usually is the favorite and they are usually really cute and people in the family um, like to respond positively to this younger child whenever the other siblings want something they will ask the the younger child to ask the parents for them because they recognize that because they are the most liked um, of all the siblings then they will probably Um, get the most positive response from the parents. And the last one
2: is scarcity. Um, So that refers to the idea, um, that messages about like rapidly declining supply of something will lead to a stronger response. So anytime you see a sign like limited time only or while supplies last, um, that company is trying to use scarcity. Uh, So the example that I fell victim to, which I'm sure many of us have, is that I quickly rushed to buy something that was on a fantastic sale only to realize that the sale price was only a few dollars off um, and it was hardly even enough that would have actually convinced me to buy the product in the first place had the signs not been there. Um, So I went to sign up for a magazine subscription because they advertised $1 per weekly magazine for 12 weeks. The ad was posted all over my social media saying limited time offer act now. So I acted fast. I wanted to get the good deal. Um, I figured it was good without even comparing the sale price to the original price, but I just went ahead and subscribed. Um, About two weeks later, my social media is still sending me the same advertisement, but now it says 50 cents per magazine, limited time offer act now. So not only did I get it for double the price, but it's still being offered. Um, The price is still decreasing and it's been several months and the sale is still on. So keeping in mind with compliance triggers that as much as you wanna use them to be a good communicator and a good leader, uh, you want to be aware that these triggers are being used on us um, and they do affect the way uh, you act and your motivations to act. Um, th- they are uh, very effective and they are everywhere.
0: So the, this reminds me of, um, in communication studies, it's important that we always remember that communication is an embodied process. It involves bodies and people. And this last one in particular, this argument about scarcity, uh, we might see in our Facebook fa- uh, Facebook page or Twitter feed this advertisement for a limited time only, etc. And, and, and there's a lot of good analysis that can happen around the structure of the ad itself, the use of a technology or a social media platform like Facebook, etc. But really what's happening is that you are having a physiological response to the advertisement. Your body is present and that advertisement is triggering some reaction in your body and in that case the reaction was to want to buy this particular subscription Uh, and any any kind of appeal to scarcity works in this embodied sort of way because the stimulus has to cause a reaction physiologically in someone's someone's person Um, so compliance triggers all work to remind us that communication is embodied uh, because we have these physiological reactions to The structure of the message. So, if the message has been structured in terms of scarcity, if it's been structured in terms of liking, if it's been structured in terms of reciprocity, etc., then they produce these physiological responses or these strong physiological responses. So, it's important to um, keep that embodied sense of the communicative circuit in mind here. Uh, All right, any final thoughts on the compliance triggers?
1: I think it's really interesting what you said and that we really need to understand um, that communication is a lot of the embodiment and a lot of physiological responses that we have. And because we like to think that we are rational beings and we always think rationally or we al- we are always in control of what we think, like even though we seem to know that there's ads that says limited time only or there's other advertising techniques that... Um, uses these compliance triggers, we have to be aware that sometimes, or oftentimes, we are subconsciously um, responding the way that these advertisements want us to respond or other people want us to respond.
0: Yeah, I mean, remember the communication is happening pre-linguistically with the compliance triggers. The response happens before the person responding has had a chance to think in language about their the substance of their response. So, um, and, and the substance of their response will ultimately be biased or be informed or be uh, affected by their embodied kind of physiological reaction to the structure of the original message. So, um, I like to remind people that Cialdini was one of the guys on President Obama's, uh, former President Obama's uh, election or re-election, I can't remember if it was his first run or the second run. Uh, He's one of the superstar academics that were, was brought in to consult on, on that campaign. And the reason he was brought in to consult on that campaign is that there's powerful, powerful evidence that these compliance triggers really do the work that they say they do. When you structure a message in terms of reciprocity or liking or com- commitment and consistency, the physiological reaction is so strong that it biases people's reasoning uh, or substantive reasoning after they've had that, that reaction. Uh, so, good communicators are aware that communication is about the effect that you have on others and not the transmission of information or the transmission uh, of a signal from one place to another. They're aware of the power of these kind of extra linguistic uh, processes and how they can shape the communicative interaction altogether. So, okay, I think that's it for episode 41. Uh, thanks to Kiana and to Julie for coming by, and we'll be back uh, in another week or so with another episode on leadership practices. Thanks, everyone.